strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, welcome back, everybody. It's the Mike Broomhead Show. I'm Barry Markson. Thanks for being with us. We're keeping our eye on the election lawsuits that are still in play here in Arizona from Kerry Lake and Abe Hamaday. And joining us right now, Tom Ryan. He's a Valley attorney and really uh, keeping a lot of uh, close tabs on this. You've done some election law. And, Tom, thanks for joining us on KTAR. Thank you for having me down here. Uh, this is, uh, this is uh, for me, very compelling. I mean, I think the election, the elections are over, obviously, and I think we know who the winners are. It's pretty clear. Uh, but we have, uh, certainly in the, the Hamaday case, we'll get to that in a second, a little bit different. But let's talk about this Kerry Lake lawsuit for a second. Oh, it's it's an, you're right. It's fascinating to watch. I mean, people watch uh, Law and Order shows because they like courtroom drama. Right. Uh, this one's lacking some of the drama, but let's, let's go through and set this up real quickly. This is an election contest. In Arizona, election contests are controlled completely by statute, so things like uh, equity principles don't apply. You either fit within the five uh, grounds for getting an election contest granted, or you don't. In Kerry Lake's case, the judge threw out eight of their allegations and let them go to trial on two. Right. Uh, the trial has to show these things. It has to be first. It has to be they have to prove it by clear and convincing evidence that there was a bad actor or set of actors. They have to identify who they are, and then they have to show what ballots were affected, meaning that they they were not you know there were valid votes votes that were not tabulated, or there were illegal ballots that were tabulated. So far, they haven't done that. And right. the last thing they have to show is they they have to show enough ballots either were illegally cast or were not counted to overcome a 17,000 vote deficit. Big hurdle to overcome. Yeah, really almost impossible uh, based on that standard. And, and we haven't touched on this very much, but that clear and convincing standard for, for their, their burden of proof, very high. That's a criminal it's court like, level. It's, yeah. the, it's the civil version of uh, beyond a reasonable doubt. That's right. exactly right. And so it's a, it's a very high burden of proof. Very difficult to get there. So uh, you've been watching the trial yesterday. I know it's been going on again this morning. Uh, you mentioned you haven't seen any and the evidence of it yet. It's interesting being online because Carrie Lake is saying and her supporters are saying she's doing great, uh, that everything's corrupt, that she's going to win this suit. Is there anything coming out of this trial so far that indicates any possibility that Carrie Lake prevails? To put it in technical terms, no, yeah. nothing. It's, it's uh, you know, the, the expert witnesses, not one of them have identified malintent, uh, right. meaning that or a bad actor or, or even they can't even identify the number of votes that have been affected. Right. And you have to have that. It's, you have to show intentionality. You have to show they're doing this on purpose to yes. get Kerry Lake. And what they did was so effective that it changed the outcome of the election. Absolutely. And and not once have the attorneys for Kerry Lake asked those questions of their own witnesses. The one who's asking those questions is Tom Liddy for the defense saying, right. did you have intent? No. Did you give an order? It's almost like uh, right. you know a few good men, the great scene of, you, you know, you're damn right I gave a code red. They don't have a, a damn right I gave a code red moment yet. Right. And so, yeah, they're losing. It's funny because yesterday they brought on Stephen Risher, the county recorder, uh, Scott Jarrett, the county election director. I, I think almost expecting them to to admit it. Yes, we did it. We did it. And, and then they didn't get that and seemed a little disappointed. It was interesting. Well, let's tell you why. First off, there none of the frontline Republican uh, lawyers who do election law contests are in this case. Right. That should tell you one thing. Secondly, the, the, the attorney that is the main attorney the from from Phoenix is the same attorney who failed to appear in Cochise County after he was hired by the Cochise County Board of Supervisors and never told the court that what he did was file a notice of removal to the federal court, only he tried to remove it to a court that didn't exist, the Eastern Eastern District District of Arizona. Yeah, and and he he wasn't, and then he said, I'm not showing up because I decided not to take the 
the case. Right. That's uh, that's uh, improper. You know. So, but anyway, Barry, if uh, yeah. you know when this gig's over, if you want to be the chief judge of the Eastern District of Arizona, it's available. There's it's a, available. There's a whole new seat open there. Uh, Tom Ryan is joining us, Valley Attorney and uh, Election uh, Law Expert. So, I, I wanted to ask you this. I mean, we can talk about the lawyer and the the judges in trying to school him and, and things uh, in this case. Um, but Judge Thompson it, it appears to me to really number one be incredibly patient and is and calm during this process. But he's letting a lot of evidence. I don't know if it's being admitted in yet, but he's yes. letting it be heard in the courtroom that I think in a normal trial would not. Correct. Uh, is, is he doing that? Do you think just to knock out the people arguing that Carrie Lake wasn't allowed to present her evidence? Absolutely. Yeah. You you have absolutely nailed it. He's doing he's doing a couple things. Number one, just because a judge admits evidence doesn't mean he can't consider it and weigh it and give the, give it the due consideration that's involved. So some of the stuff that's being admitted, he's he's admitting it, but I guarantee he's going to tell you that it doesn't have much weight. Right. He is actually making this an appeal proof case by being bending over back to Kerry Lake's attorneys, and boy, has he been over backwards to help yeah. them. It's, uh, one last thing. It's important to understand. Peter Thompson is a Republican, East Valley conservative guy. This is not a wild hair leftist. Right. You know, he's a very thoughtful person. Yeah, I agree. He's a thoughtful attorney and a thoughtful judge, and yes. uh, I think he's showing that. Even I've even seen online <laughs> Kerry Lake supporters saying his demeanor is great. He's treating her lawyers well. He's like, so that that's out there for sure, but you know as soon as the ruling comes down, that's going to change. That's we'll, going to we'll change. We'll see how it plays out. <laughs> Tom Ryan is with us, uh, Valley Attorney of Valley Election Attorney. Let me ask you before we go, Abe Homiday's suit, totally different suit. First line in his complaint says we are not alleging fraud, uh, manipulation, or wrongful, uh, or any uh, an intentional wrongdoing. Correct. So it, his case is to say we need to count a few more votes, uh, some provisional ballots, things that may not have been counted, to see if I can somehow get a five over 511 more votes for me. That, that to me, is not unusual. This is a reasonable suit that should be heard. Correct. Do you think he has any chance of prevailing? Uh, I don't know what's in the provisional ballot. Okay. I mean, there's, you know, are, are you saying there's a chance, as the, was asked in the movie Dumb and Dumber? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, there, there, there may be a chance, but here's the deal. Um, once you start off by eliminating all the five issues for an election contest right off the bat, you can pretty much stop reading the complaint. The likelihood is, uh, right now, by the way, this morning, there is an emergency hearing because uh, Abe Hamaday's expert witness, uh, Mr. Clay Parikh, who's also the expert witness in the Kerry Lake case. The My Pillow guy. The My Pillow Expert, guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he claims there was some improper methodology uh, in the examination of the ballots. And so he requested an emergency hearing today. I'm waiting for the court ruling on that. That'll yeah. be interesting. That may have some impact on what happens tomorrow. But uh, you better have, you, you know, you got to bring the big guns if you're going to do that. So but we'll, we'll, that'll be another interesting hearing tomorrow. We'll see what happens. Yeah. It, it is really interesting. And, and one thing you said earlier, and I, I've been saying this in the Kerry Lake case, when you have a real case, when you have a real election lawsuit that has validity to it, the, as you call them, the front line, the real respected Republican election lawyers that we have here in town, uh, they come in. And, yes. and they're not here. No. And and when that when you see that, there's a reason for that. That's they, these guys live for this stuff. <laughs> and when they're not involved in the lawsuit, there's a reason they're not involved. Exactly. This is this is the Republican candidate for the office of the governor, and not one of the front line Republican right. attorneys are involved. Uh, that should tell you something, right it, there. It, it really does. I, I've said it's it's actually a really great experience. Kerry Lake's lawsuit is, in my mind, basically a series of conspiracy theories. But we get to actually put them in a court of law to see if she can prove them, and of course she can. Put so, them in the. Put them in the 
crucible, and let's see what uh, gets distilled from it. Absolutely. You're, you're spot on, Barry. Tom Ryan, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you. Happy holidays, and uh, we'll be back in just a moment. Uh, on the other side of this news update, going to talk about pickleball and a little bit of a clash that happened in a New York City park. Do you like pickleball, or do you want to ban it? That's next on KTAR. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. All right, everybody. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Hope you're having a great holiday season. My goodness. Great to have Tom Ryan in here talking about these election lawsuits. Uh, But let's talk a little pickleball. Do you play pickleball? I do. I play pickleball. I'm probably playing pickleball this afternoon, in fact. Because it's the holidays, and I can do that on a Thursday afternoon now. I don't know how that happened, but it's going to work out, I think. Um, so this is uh, th- this is crazy. Pickleball, if you don't know, if you haven't been playing, you're one of the four people not playing pickleball. It has just absolutely exploded. It's a crazy, crazy thing. It's everywhere. There's Everybody's putting in pickleball courts. Uh, everybody's uh, they're, they're just going in at gyms. They're going in at, uh, at hotels and resorts. They're creating pickleball clubs. People are joining, like, tennis clubs. It's, it's absolutely crazy. And it's a fun sport. It's something that almost anybody can play and learn to play and get better at. It's a, it's a workout. It's a little bit of exercise, but it's not a crazy amount. So it started with a lot of old people, and it, and you, you, it's, it's grown from there. And it's just become immensely popular. It's, it's kind of a crazy thing. And it's funny for me because I have a friend of mine uh, who has been into pickleball for a long time, well, way back, way back before you even ever heard it, of it before. He had a pickleball court in his backyard. And he used to play with some guys, and I'd laugh at him and say, how old are you people? And it was kind of funny. And then they, they invited me, and now I'm into it. And I've been playing for several, for many years at this point. Um, he plays on a little bit of a bigger court, so it's actually a bit of a workout. But in any case, in New York City, and you're seeing this in a lot of towns, a lot of cities, they're putting in pickleball courts in parks and other places because of, because of the demand. The people want this. So in New York City... Uh, there's a park there. By the way, New York City, what is it, 8 million, 9 million people? They have 68 pickleball courts. <laughs> That's not enough. I'm just going to let you know right off the top. Not enough. So there's one park uh, in New York City. It's run by the uh, the city's Department of Parks and Rec. It's called the uh, John Sarah Valley Playground. And it was a playground for kids. It's a one-acre park in Manhattan's West Village. And they put in, um, in part of the park, they, they spray-painted, uh, literally the Parks Department came in and spray-painted pickleball lines over an area that was, uh, you know, a concrete uh, thing and made two pickleball courts. And, okay, now you're sitting there saying, well, that's a nice thing. Probably people in the neighborhood like it, and they do. The pickleball courts are very popular. They're used all the time. And then the next thing you start to see here is the the parents in the area and a bunch of people in the area uh, were complaining vociferously and went to the parks department to shut it down. They wanted to ban pickleball in the park. And you ask yourself, well, why? I mean, my goodness, two pickleball courts, what's going on? Well, then I figured out what happened. Other people showed up. The demand was so high for the pickleboard, pickleball, people showed up with their own spray paint and made 10 more courts. They just created 10 more pickleball courts on their own. They took over the park. Now, this was a park. It's one acre. It's a nice-sized park, but it's not huge. You know what I'm saying? It's a it's a nice little neighborhood park. It had been put there so kids could come to the park and play in the park. And, and now the kids felt like they were being pushed out. Parents, kids would complain they don't want to go to the park anymore. Because even when they're playing in the park, the pickleball guys are, uh, I mean, I'm going to tell you, when I'm playing pickleball occasionally, you know, I may curse. It happens sometimes. You know, some bad happens. You say some a bad word. So there's things there. You don't want the kids to hear. They're going after the ball. They're almost hitting kids. It's it's a little. It's spread out. It kind of spread out. So it went from two courts to like 
12 courts, and they're like they're basically like illegal courts. They're like black market courts. It's like a crazy thing. So they go to the they go to the the Parks and Rec. They have a meeting. It's New York City. Everybody's got to get their word in. It's crazy. Uh, and the Park and Rec department says, uh, well, let me just say that this pickleball group shows up and they say, you know what? You're right. This is out of hand. Let's do this. Add two more courts. Let's make it four courts and then ban everything else. There shouldn't be all these black market courts all over the place. Let's have four pickleball courts and let the kids have the rest of the park. That's what should happen. That sounds reasonable to me, right? That seems like that'd be a, a nice solution. The Parks Department says, nope. We're getting rid of pickleball. They ban pickleball in the park altogether. No more pickleball. Um, and now the pickleballers are just taking the kids out one by one. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. They're not hurting the kids. But it's a. Uh, it, they just banned it, which I this to me is a perfect liberal city democracy. This is how you do stuff. Three people complain and we have to stop. I mean, it's just crazy. We don't try to find a solution. You don't say, hey, it got out of hand with people doing stuff that wasn't supposed to happen. Let's enforce our rules. It's we're going to get rid of the thing causing the problem altogether. So they do that and they ban pickleball uh, at this park in New York City. So now instead of having 68 courts for 9 million people, they have 66. It, uh, it doesn't make any sense. But if you haven't played pickleball yet, um, give it a try. It's something you can do at almost any age level. It's something you can do at almost any fitness or health level. It's uh, And it's a skill you can pick up relatively easily. And there's all different levels. You don't have to play at the expert level. And I will tell you this, last week I watched for the first time, it was on ABC. It was the first time it had been on a major network up some pickleball championship stuff. And the High level play is pretty impressive. Uh, it's uh, it's very it goes slow and fast, like boom, 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 and it's just it's uh, it's fun. It's a fun sport, and you can definitely play it yourself. Uh, check it out. All right, coming up uh, right after the news, Jeff Munn is here, and then uh, Doug Ducey made a big uh, splash putting up those shipping containers along the border. He was going to create a border wall where Biden wasn't going to do it. Well, the, the federal government filed a lawsuit last week, and I've uh, I've never seen a defendant fold up the tent this quickly. I'll tell you what Ducey did and what Arizona's doing, and more importantly, how much did this cost us as the citizens of Arizona? That's next. It's KTAR. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Play with toys. One warm December, our hearts will see a world where men are free. Here we go, everybody. It's the Mike Broomhead Show. I'm Barry Marks, and thanks for being here. My goodness. We'll have more for you on the uh, Kerry Lake trial in day two as we speak. I'm I'm thinking, the judge hasn't said this, I'm thinking we'll have the judge's decision tomorrow. Um, I could be wrong. I'm mostly just thinking the judge wants to get it out as quickly as possible in case either side wants to appeal and, and perhaps wants to do it before Christmas and the Christmas weekend. That's just my thinking, but I could be wrong. Um, right now, though, the, the big news in Arizona beyond this election law stuff is uh, our container wall, our shipping container wall, you know, the one Doug Ducey put up starting just a couple of months ago, and you heard about this. It was in the news. Doug Ducey uh, made a big splash uh, locally here in Arizona and nationally uh, that because the Biden administration was not doing the wall and wasn't doing anything on the border, and I agree with that. Uh, there were people flooding through in the Yuma sector and other places in Arizona. So Doug Ducey said, we're going to take it on ourselves, and we're going to do this inexpensive thing where we're going to put shipping containers down and create our own wall. So they, he stacked two shipping containers, one on top of the other, and put them together and created this big wall. Now, there, there's been all sorts of stuff about people are able to climb the wall, and frankly, the bigger issue is the wall didn't even connect anything. So you you there's a wall, and then you walk a half a mile, and there's no more wall. It just stops, and it's open again. So um, whether it did any actual good, I don't know. Um, 
But it certainly gave Ducey the opportunity to show he was trying to do something, I guess. Well, uh, he was told almost immediately that it was illegal, that he was doing things on land owned by the federal government and and uh, Native American uh, reservations, uh, not state land, not private land. Um, and as a result, had no right to do that. Uh, he was told that the federal government was going to sue, and he kept doing it anyway. And sure enough, last week, the federal government filed a lawsuit against Ducey in the state of Arizona, um, demanding a temporary uh, or demanding a restraining order and, and saying that Ducey and the state needs to remove these shipping containers from federal land. Uh, and guess what? One, one week in, and you don't see this very often, one week in, uh, Ducey caved. Now, he may have done that because it's right before Christmas and it's a quiet time and uh, in, the, in the news, and maybe he thought this was a good opportunity for him to do it now rather than later, uh, but Ducey caved. And he said uh, the, the settlement with this is that the state of Arizona is going to remove uh, these shipping containers. <laughs> so all the shipping containers that we just put in there over the last couple of months, he's going to go in and take them out. Uh, and at that Arizona's expense, uh, he got nothing from the federal government. Uh, there's no guarantee that the government's going to build the wall. They say they're going to. But uh, I want to tell you that the federal government said in July, two weeks before Ducey started putting these, or at least announced he's going to start putting these shipping containers in, the federal government came forward and said, hey, here's what we're doing in the Yuma sector. Here's where we're going to put the wall. Here's the plan. Uh, and Ducey went ahead anyway and put in the shipping containers. So they got no guarantee that it's going to happen or when it's going to happen or for how long the wall, nothing. Uh, what Ducey's office is saying is that there's an indication. Uh, I mean, it's just comical. There's an indication uh, that um, <laughs> that the federal government is taking this seriously now and is and is going to uh, and is going to uh, do something with the wall. Uh, it, it's it's really it's really kind of an amazing thing the way they're describing this. Um, but here's the thing that's getting me. Because we never really understood. They always made it sound like it was very inexpensive to put this, the shipping container wall up. And, and now, because of this lawsuit, we know uh, it cost, get ready for it, it cost Arizona $82 million so far uh, to put up the shipping containers that are in place. $82 million. Think about that for a second. And now we have to take them down. I don't know what the cost is going to be taking them down. Um, I assume it won't be $82 million, but it's going to be a lot of money because you have to get the, the crews back out there. You have to remove everything. Uh, you have to ship them back. I, I, you know, I don't know if we bought these shipping containers or rented them. I don't know what's going on. Uh, but let's assume it's going to cost half that to get rid of these things. So it's $120 million of our tax dollars. These are your dollars and my dollars uh, that were used for what turns out to be, at least it appears to be, uh, a stunt, a silly PR stunt. Uh, by Governor Ducey on his way out the door uh, to try to show he's doing something at the border. Um, there's no indication that it did any good. There's no study. There's no There's no nothing, including from the governor's office, saying we stemmed, uh, we have less people coming across the border. There's no indication that the Yuma sector was seeing less illegal immigration, uh, less people coming into the city. Uh, no, no study at all that any of this was going on. I, I had somebody tweet me just a little bit ago at Barry Markson and the number one, Barry Markson one, and say, you know, you're only focusing on the cost to the state, the, the $82 million plus uh, getting rid of the containers now, the additional cost. You're not focusing on the savings the state had because these people didn't come in. And I said, are you aware of uh, anything, anything? have any evidence saying that some number of illegal immigrants couldn't come in because of these shipping containers? Because I'm not. I've looked into it, and I haven't seen anything. I don't know that a study was done. I don't know that anybody tracked it. I don't know that you could. Um, but again, the wall was not even complete. 
So somebody coming up to this area to cross into the country illegally and finding the shipping containers could walk for half a mile or less, and suddenly, boom, there's the opening. You walk right in. So I, I don't know that it changed anything uh, at all. Uh, if we have that information, please share it with me. I'd be happy to review it. But what I do know is, uh, for what seemed to be nothing more than a very short-term publicity stunt, Arizona is going to be on the hook for somewhere in the neighborhood of $120 million. And I look at that as real money. I look at that $120 million like my wife looks at me when I go and play craps in Vegas. She's looking at it as, I could take that gambling money and go buy shoes and clothes. And uh, now I'm going to get in trouble. Uh, that's how I look at that $120 million. What could Arizona have done with that? Imagine the number of police officers uh, that we, that cities around the state could have hired with $120 million. Think about that for a second, right? We're struggling to get police officers. Imagine just the number of bonuses the state could have said to cities, hey, we're going to give you a grant of $120 million to use as signing bonuses and bonuses for existing officers uh, to try to bring in more police officers that we need. Or imagine taking $120 million and say, we're going to, we're going to, do something to help entice teachers uh, to come be teachers in Arizona because we're losing so many teachers. Uh, there's, there's also you can go down the list of all your favorite things. Uh, imagine the what the amount of roads that could be improved with 120 million dollars. This is significant money. This isn't this isn't a, a half a million dollars. This is real, real, real money, and wasted, gone for no reason. Even if it was working for such a short period of time, it means nothing. And this is the stuff I don't like. I, I don't like the border task strike force that doesn't do anything but lets the governor have uh, have a press conference. I don't like Governor Abbott in Texas, uh, you know, busing people to New York City as a show. You know, I'm going to own the libs. I mean, I don't like DeSantis in Florida setting a plane and using Florida tax money to fly people from San Antonio to Martha's Vineyard because I'm going to get on the news that way and I'll be on Fox News. That's an improper use of public funds. There is no benefit to that at all, and that's what this is, too. And I expect better from Governor Ducey. I do. I expect better. I know he's a politician. I know he's trying to look good. He's leaving. He's not running for another office. What are we doing right now? We're just wasting money. Literally wasting $120 million. It's unfortunate. I wish we hadn't done it. On the other side, speaking of teachers, on the other side, uh, studies showing why uh, we have a teacher shortage in the United States and specifically here in Arizona. I'll tell you why. That's next. I'm Barry Markson. It's KTAR. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Just like the ones I used to know. Oh, yeah. Where those streets are. Listen. Alright, welcome back everybody. Barry Markson with you in for Bermhead. Thanks for joining us. Oh my goodness. We are uh, keeping an eye on the Kerry Lake lawsuit. They're at a little break right now. I will tell you, when you're bringing your expert witnesses, a guy called the People's Pundit on Twitter, not a good sign. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> 
uh, never been an expert witness before, never had a peer review paper before, not not accepted as a <laughs> as a legit pollster. I mean, just it just keeps you just look at it. And go, what are you doing? Is it, are you just doing this for social media, or are you doing it because you think you actually have a case you can win? Because you don't have lawyers that that do election law for a living. You don't have uh, at least not the top guys in the Republican Party. You don't have experts that uh, that are experts. Um, it's it's a little uh, it's a little tough. There's there's no question about that. Um, there is uh, it, we're all aware of the teacher shortage uh, around the country, right? I mean, this is. Um, it's not a it's not a surprise to anybody at this point. Um, there are uh, we are missing teachers in Arizona last year. There were two thousand to twenty five hundred empty teacher positions uh, throughout the the year. Uh, empty classrooms uh, where, where I shouldn't say empty classrooms. Classrooms filled with students with no teachers in them. And the studies are now out uh, that are that are showing what we I guess what we kind of already knew, uh, which is that teachers are getting burned out. And it's a it's becoming a real crisis in education across the country and specifically um, here in Arizona. Uh, you know, look, it also doesn't help that we have a, we had a booming economy. It doesn't help that we have um, low unemployment. And what I mean by that, I know the economy and inflation. I get that that actually plays against this as well. Uh, but you have teachers uh, who, uh, in all cases, have college degrees and can go out and find jobs that pay more than being a teacher. I mean, that's that's what this is about, right? There's There are a lot of teachers who do it not for the money. They do it for the love of teaching or they want to help kids or they want to feel like they're giving back to their community. There's a whole bunch of reasons people become teachers. But when you make it so difficult for them, they at some point will look up and say, what am I doing? Right. I mean, wouldn't we all do that? Wouldn't we all at some point say, what am I doing? I'm making less money than I could be. I'm working hard. And then on top of that, I've got parents yelling and screaming at me that I'm letting their kids read a book uh, that the parent thinks they shouldn't read. Or I'm teaching their kids something that a parent doesn't approve of, even though it's been approved by the school district. Um, Everybody's just so excited right now. And in Arizona, we're we're forcing our teachers to teach in classrooms uh, with the largest class sizes in the country. I mean, that's literally what's happening here in Arizona. Now, I'm hoping that changes this year. We've we've had an influx of, of money, assuming the legislature and the governor figure out a way to lift the, the caps on education spending in, in Arizona, uh, which is a whole other question. Um, but I will tell you that this is an issue that we have to address. And it's, it's not just money. I mean, part of it is money. Part of it is making sure we're paying our teachers uh, in a way that is commensurate with their education and their experience and competitive with other jobs that they can have. Um, but it's more than that because burnout, if people are just getting burned out, it's not money. If you're burned out, paying you an extra 10 grand, 20 grand isn't really going to change that necessarily. It may make you feel better in the short term, uh, but it doesn't change the other parts of it. And the burnout, what we're finding in these, uh, what, what we're finding in these uh, studies is that the teacher burnout rate across the country uh, is as many as 41.3% of all teachers in the U.S. that they'll leave their profession within the first five years, um, according to studies. And about 15% of the teachers in the U.S. leave the profession every single year. That's incredible. I mean, imagine that. Imagine if we said that about doctors, uh, that 15% of doctors left every year. I mean, this is absolutely incredible. So what you're finding are people who went to school to be teachers, who want to be teachers, who go into the profession for a reason, and then within the first several years of doing it, they're like, I don't want to do this anymore. 
this isn't this isn't what I signed up for. I want to teach kids. I want to help people learn. I want to be good in my community. I don't want to have to deal with reams of paperwork that the legislature is requiring. I don't I don't want to get yelled at by by parents um, and try to try to control a classroom with thirty or thirty five kids in it. That's what we're facing here in Arizona. It's a real issue. Um, I don't know what the answer is. I, I know money is part of it. You have to make the, comp- the salary competitive with what people can make um, in other fields uh, at their education and experience level. That's, that's number one. Uh, but number two is, and I don't know how we do this, but it's getting back. Same thing with police officers. We, we went from teachers and police officers being some of the most respected people in our community, right? That having those jobs meant you were a leader in the community, that you were somebody that most of us looked up to, that we thanked when we saw And somehow over the last five years, both right and left, the extreme on right and left, we have begun making teachers and police officers our enemies. We're somehow mad. The left is mad at police officers and the right is mad at teachers. And it's it's not healthy. And we're seeing the same issues in both fields, right? We're having trouble recruiting police officers and, uh, officers and recruiting teachers. We're having trouble keeping people in those positions because they're looking around and saying, I don't need this. I'm not enjoying myself. I'm here to help. I'm here to serve. I'm here. Look, they want to make money. They want to be able to support their family and have retire and do all the things that other, that all of us want to do. Uh, but they but they look around and say, "Is this really what I'm going to do for the rest of my life? Is this is this it? Because I'm not getting support by my uh, but my uh, my boss. I'm not getting support by the state. I'm, I'm hated by people. I mean, this is not uh, a good way to do it. So the, the the studies are pretty clear. My guess is you'd see a pretty similar burnout rate for police officers, maybe not quite as high, uh, but definitely something we need to start addressing. It's definitely something that we need to uh, figure out and, and address. All right, coming up. Uh, we're going to talk about the homeless situation, which is growing uh, nationwide. You've heard about this in other states, but it's actually growing here in Arizona as well. Uh, it's not as hot right now, so you think it's a little bit easier, but it does get cold here at night. Uh, we're going to bring in Stacy Champion. She's a homeless uh, advocate. She's somebody who is literally on the street. She meets with these people. She helps people down at the granular level. She knows homeless people and gets them what they need. Uh, we'll talk about how you can help in this holiday season if you're so inclined, uh, but also talk about a little bit bigger issues. What can the city do? What can the state do to help Arizona's homeless situation? We're going to talk about that next. I'm Barry Markson, uh, in for Broomhead. Much to come. Stay with us. It's KTAR.